I'm Jana, the little sister. And I'm Jeff, her big brother. Welcome to Sibling Rivalry, a podcast about our favorite sport, baseball. This week on Sibling Rivalry Baseball, we're catching our breath after a crazy trade deadline. Yeah, I think the Nationals even traded a raccoon and a rat to the Mets. Now it's time to give you all our SRBB headlines and some baseball talking too. For the fifth consecutive Summer Olympic Games, uh, an American has won gold in the women's individual all-around gymnastics final. Suni Lee now shares that honor with the likes of Mary Lou Retton and Gabby Douglas. In addition to her gold medal performance, she won a silver medal in the team competition and a bronze in the individual event of uneven bars. Team USA Swimming is once again showing their dominance at the Olympics, scoring 30 medals, including 11 gold. Five of those courtesy of Caleb Dressel. Dressel picking up where Michael Phelps left off in 2016. He joins Phelps, Matt Biondi, and Mark Spitz as the fifth swimmer to win five medals at the same Olympics. Phelps did it twice. He also broke two world records in the men's butterfly and the 4 by 100 medley. Katie Lidecki added to the gold with two of her own in the 800 and 1500 meters. The University of Oklahoma Sooners and their rival, the University of Texas Longhorns, are heading to the SEC and ditching the Big 12 that they co-founded. The move will make the first 16-team Super Conference. Texas and Oklahoma issued a joint statement saying they intend to remain in the Big 12 through June 2025 when the Big 12 media rights deal expires. Dusty Hill, ZZ Top bassist, passed away at his home in Houston on July 28th. Hill had left the current tour to address a hip issue just a few days earlier. For guitarist Billy Gibbons, Dusty wanted the band to carry on. Their longtime guitar tech, Elwood Francis, has stepped in to finish the tour. John Michael Dusty Hill was 72. He joined ZZ Top in 1970. RIP Dusty, and don't forget your cheap sunglasses. You are now beyond bad and nationwide. You can find these and past week's headlines on our website, siblingrivalrybb.com. Remember to rate and subscribe wherever you listen, and tell a friend to listen to the Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. We love our listeners. We want you to download and listen to the podcast and share it with others. We just ask you to acknowledge Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast as a source of the material. Please do not, except with our express written permission, distribute or commercially misuse the content. lot to talk about today. We got uh, trades to go over. We got to see how the Dodgers Angels did. We're going to spin the will of the IL. But first, Dateline Tokyo. No, that's the wrong song. That's not the Olympic theme. That was uh, Pomp and Circumstance, I think, is what that was. So we're graduating instead of going to the Olympics. Olympic baseball has uh, returned uh, and the men's team USA has uh, has done okay won their first two games out of the gate over Israel and South Korea and then uh, had to take on Japan that was a tough game for the US and it's interesting with Japan too because they did have the former was this uh, Tom- 
I can't remember how to pronounce his name now. Tamaka Tama. <laughs> that does not sound right. From the Yankees was the starting pitcher. He used to Masahiro? pitch for the Yankees. Yeah. Masahiro? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have all these names going through my head and it didn't come out right. But anyway, yeah. So the former Yankee was on the mound for Japan and uh, Tyler Austin, who is on the USA team, he plays professionally in Japan. He's been doing pretty well in, but this game went into Zinnings and this is interesting. We complain about a runner being on second base in Olympic rules, you get a runner on first and second in Zinnings. Oh, wow. Yeah. So everybody said, I hope Manfred was not watching <laughs> because this could be a disaster. Yeah. Extra innings begins with runners on first and second. The Americans were unable to play to run in the top half of the 10th. And uh, Japan, they had a pinch hitter, Kurahara, this is his last name. He bunted the runners over. Uh, Mike Sosha had aligned his defense, so he had five infielders behind the pitcher, but it didn't matter. And then uh, Japan delivered a long drive to right field that scored the winning run, and that was the end of that. But it was an exciting game because it was a back and forth. But it doesn't mean that the USA is out of gold medal contention. They still have a chance to uh, to get to the gold medal round and they will play the Dominican Republic in their next game. Want to point out, uh, it looks like Mexico was eliminated pretty early on with some losses, so they're no longer in there. I think Israel's probably just about gone as well. The, the way that they set it all up, I'm not sure how it works, but We'll see. As long as Team USA gets a shot at the gold, that's going to be good. Yeah, they have two pools. They have an A pool and a B pool. And, but, um, and I'm assuming the A and the B will meet up to for the medal matches, but I'm not exactly sure how the brackets all work. So i um, just been paying attention to the, the USA. So USA. Nope. And one of the players for USA, Eddie Alvarez, has an interesting story. He was the flag bearer when they did the opening ceremony. He has Olympic rings tattooed on one of his arms, and he was a medalist in a winter games. He was part of the speed skating team that won, I believe, a silver, you know, in a relay. He, he, so so if, if, they, if they medal here, he'll be one of the only players to have a medal in both a summer and a winter Olympic games. Wow. I did not know that. That's some weird, wild stuff. So the trade deadline was, it was just, it was exciting. It was crazy. If you want to put it that way as well, there was a lot going on, a lot of movement, uh, over 20 players, move teams some of them uh, adapted real well to their new teams uh, others we haven't even seen yet but uh, the consensus is the Dodgers won trade deadline I saw a really interesting graphic on MLB now hosted by Brian Kinney that there were (laughs) 42 trades 114 players traded 20 
former and current All-Stars, four Silver Slugger winners, five Gold Glove winners, one League MVP, one Cy Young Award winner, four top 100 prospects, and 30 teams were involved. So and everyone that was, just was Max all Scherzer. in. That was, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure that the Dodgers won this. I believe that the Dodgers come out really well, but I don't think that it's other than the fact that they made a deal that undercut the Padres or with the Padres side. And I think that maybe that was more fluff and, uh, you know, of a story. It was more of a hype. Maybe somebody from the nationals put it out there to, to motivate the Dodgers or the Padres. I'm sure the Padres wanted him. But the Padres, well, they wanted everyone, almost, but they came away with almost nothing. Yeah, especially in their main needs. But you got Max Scherzer, who is starting versus Houston this week. And we'll talk more about his start and how it all worked out last week. But from what I've seen of him in the dugout, all the pitchers are together and he's like holding court. And they're talking Walker Bueller is like. Way connected. Oh yeah, he just is like he is on every with, word. <laughs> yeah, and and you know Walker Bueller's been he's been that way. He he's taken what Albert Pujols has given him as a non pitcher, but as a longtime player and a great hitter, he's helped him that way. Uh, now he's got Max Scherzer. He's always been like a puppy dog with uh, Clayton Kershaw. Trey Turner hasn't shown up yet because he's still on the COVID list. So we'll see. And conveniently, one of the biggest additions to the uh, Dodgers right there around the trade deadline was not those two. But Corey Seager came back. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, it, it, Turner not taking my spot. Nope. No, uh, I'm I'm back. I'm ready. Put me in. I got to get in there. Yeah, that was one of the things. Um I think a lot of Dodger fans, of course, we talked about last week how they were putting Max Scherzer in a blue hat and, you know, in a Dodger uniform and kind of jumping the gun. And then when they heard, courtesy of Ken Rosenthal, the Padres are in on Scherzer, it's the deal is is close. Um, then it was gnashing of teeth and what's going on here. Um, but then people were like, well, if that trade deadline, we can get Corey Seager back and Mookie Betts, then we're, we'll be okay. And so, yeah, that was a big one for the Dodgers to get Seager back in the lineup. All right. So we'll talk about the ramifications of the Dodger trades and how the uh, the IL is working out for him right now. Uh, Mookie Betts did come back over the weekend also as soon as he was able to be uh, activated. So let's take a look at some of the other big trades. Uh, there was a fire sale. It was like a yard sale down at uh, Nationals Park and another one at Wrigley. And you could just walk, walk across the outfield and find your treasures. Yep, and- the Nationals traded eight players. And I mean, these I'm talking na- big names. I, I mean, I'm sure there were some maybe other pieces in there, but I'm I'm talking about the likes of, of course, Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, Brad Hand, Kyle Schwarber, 
John Lester, Daniel Hudson. That's kind of funny. John Lester was almost like, like it was kind of quiet. You heard yeah, about he, it, but not it, because Max Scherzer leaving and the Trey Turner, the two of them going together. And I think even Kyle Schwarber going to Boston made a bigger splash. And then John Lester was like at the wire to the Cardinals. You, you almost missed that. You're like, I don't remember. John Lester got traded. What? <laughs> yeah. And who does he play for? Was he a Cub? No, wait, he's a national now (laughs) because the Cubs, he could have fit in with the Cubs in this, in this trade deadline too. Oh yeah. Right. Because the Cubs had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players that they traded. And I did hear that the uh, general manager uh, I think the president of the Cubs had sent out a letter to the season ticket holders telling them it's it's okay, it's gonna, you know, we're looking forward and please keep coming to games, please keep buying season tickets. It's not over, we're okay, the yeah. future just does not include three of our top players. Exactly. Anthony Rizzo yeah. is not the future of the Cubs. Chris Bryant is not part of the future of the Cubs. Javi Baez, <laughs> Andrew Chafin, any of them are no longer. Craig Kimbrell is still in Chicago. Yes. We want you to come to Cubs games, but if you want to see him, he is just a few miles away on the south side. That's right. Yeah. And I also think the they had offered extensions in some form to all three of the players, the big ones that you think of when you think of the Cubs, you think of Rizzo, you think of Bryant and Baez. And Baez is a free agent and um, after this season or will, you know, will be. And we know that there were extension talks or there were some talks with Chris Bryant. I think even with Anthony Rizzo, didn't hear a lot about it, but we know with Chris Bryant too, that there was, you know, arbitration had happened or, and it didn't go well. Didn't, I don't think left a good taste maybe in his mouth. He was upset that he was leaving. I think a lot of people said, oh, it's tears of joy. It didn't look like tears of joy. No, he was, he was upset about that, but yeah, I, I'm sure that part of him was like, okay, I'm, I'm fine to go. Right. And there's some bad blood there. The service time manipulation yes. that, uh, that the, he had to deal with. He's more sad about leaving Wrigleyville than he is about uh, leaving. Uh, you know, it's like a lot of places you you stop working somewhere. You miss your coworkers, maybe. Or the cafeteria at the on the bottom floor of your building or whatever. But you don't miss the bosses or the organizational garbage. Yeah. And I don't think that they, I mean, they were okay. Uh, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez all hit home runs in their first games. um, With the new teams. Yeah. With their new teams. So I guess they're okay. Yeah. Let it be known. (laughs) Hey, we're out to play ball. Well, and interesting too, that, um, Javi Baez had said he would be open to 
going to the Mets because he wanted to play with his friend Francisco Lindor. And people said, oh, yeah, that'd be cool. You know, okay. And then sure enough, he's a Met. So, yeah, they're both from Puerto Rico and they played on the um, they played on the uh, uh, like a world baseball team together. Right. Yeah. There were some surprises for me when I think about the trades. Uh, Trevor Story, not traded. And his name came up a lot. He has made it known. Um, He also is going to be a free agent. He's in that big class of shortstops that will be free agents after this season. He's made it known. I'm not going to stay in Colorado. Uh, But I think part of that, just reading some Denver papers, that maybe management was like, Fans were upset with us when we traded Arenado, even though everybody knew that that was going to happen in some sort of fashion. And they probably thought, we don't, you know, we're already having a bad season and we'll keep Trevor around for the rest of the season. You know, why trade him? And I don't know what they wanted. Right. That's the biggest thing. I, I wonder if they were asking so much that nobody wanted to do it and they just figured, you know, we'll either get what we want there or we'll get compensation because they'll they'll extend an offer to him knowing he's going to turn it down. And then once that qualifying offers out there, once he leaves to a different team, they get compensated like draft pick compensation. Yeah. So they, and- they figured that it was worth that's probably worth more than what they were going to get. So they could they could play it either way. Either we get exactly what we're asking for and we hold firm. And I think the same thing is that a lot of people thought Marquez, uh, Herman Marquez was going to leave as well, because that was the one thing. If you read through any of the lists, the experts were writing about one thing every team needs at the trade deadline, all but maybe two or three teams, it felt like needed some sort of pitching, whether it be bullpen, whether it be a starter, they needed pitching. Right. Yeah. And the other guy, too, uh, that his name came up was John Gray. Uh, But John Gray doesn't want to leave Colorado. He would like to, you know, have a contract extension with them so they can offer him, you know, the qualifying offer, I think, is $19 million. And they probably offer that to him and maybe even come out on top um, with that. Um, extension depending on what they go for. So he wants to stay. He's made it known. So the only, the one that, um, that they did trade, he's a reliever and that's Michael Gibbons. And he was traded to the Reds. And that did surprise me because he's been really good for the Rockies coming out of the pen. Well, maybe that was the one tradable asset that everybody was like, okay, that's somebody that's going to help me now. Like I said, surprised that those other two, especially Marquez, but you know, they, they needed the pitching. And yet I think I heard on like MLB, uh, network that not really no starting pitchers overall, there were very few starting pitchers moved. Yeah, there were not very many. Uh, I mean, you have some relievers, Craig Kimbrell to the White Sox, which is an interesting move because look at who they have as a relievers, Craig Kimbrell, Liam Hendricks. 
So you could have three pitchers in a game. Uh, their starting pitcher and then have Craig Kimbrell come out and Liam Hendricks finishes it off. Or vice and, versa. Or vice versa, however it is. And there doesn't seem to be right now, um, some people were like, oh, that's going to be bad. They're going to be fighting over that. But I think they seem to be working it out in who's going to be closing think, and who's going to be where. So I think everybody wants that drama and that there'll be an issue. But if the bigger picture is, can we win a championship? The money's always going to be there. The playing time's going to be there. If you don't like what you're getting on the team you're on, chances are you can get traded or you can, once you become a free agent, go somewhere else. But if you're focused more on, as a team, we're going to do this, that makes a lot more sense to me. Uh, and a lot of these guys have been around long enough. It's not about, oh, I got to play every day and I have to be this. I also think that if they talk to, like, Kinley, if because there was a lot of talk that the Dodgers were were pursuing, and I'm sure they probably were looking at him, but he, Kimbrell and, and, um, and Kinley Jansen could have coexisted as well. I think that, every, you know, Kinley, Kinley's got a mindset, but I think if you talk to him, if, if Andrew Friedman and, uh, and, and doc robots set with him and just said, look, here's what we're doing. You're not, not the closer. You're just not always the closer. We're well, still going to use you in a high leverage situations. Yeah. And that might have been good for him too, because maybe that pressure that possibly he feels when he comes out there, Maybe he feels like I am the closer. That's what they're telling me. And I got to do this. And sometimes it works out really well. And sometimes it doesn't. Backup, right. If you yeah. knew there was a backup, because that's what a lot of people I heard talking on the radio and that were saying, hey, this is this is a good move. You didn't subtract something and add another piece. It's just as volatile. Closers are volatile. They may overall, you know pitch pretty well but there's not a closer out there who hasn't blown a save sometimes the way that they pitch they're over amped they gotta they gotta focus in on stuff when kinley's on he's unhittable yeah another uh pitcher or move that the dodgers made was for a left-handed pitcher and that's danny duffy from the kansas city royals he's currently on the il i mentioned that last time but I'm wondering how he's going to be used. Um, if you look at how he pitched pre in his last few games, he's only gone between four and six innings. So and he's in Blake Snell territory. He is kind of in Blake Snell territory, but I'm wondering if he may be a bullpen piece for the Dodgers instead of the starting, the a starting right. pitcher. Well, and that's, and that's a good thing. You, you brought, uh, you know, once Kershaw's back, um, you still have uh, Julio. It looks like, you know, from what we're hearing, well, we'll talk about Dodgers coming up, but <laughs> yeah. there's just a lot of things that can happen. Was there, besides the Rockies, was there any one trade that when you heard that, other than Scherzer and Turner, was there any one trade that when you saw that you went, what? Or wow? Or had a, a, a surprise reaction to or a reaction you didn't expect? Um, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're really, 
the one I was surprised that didn't that he didn't get traded, if we want to go that way, would be Byron Buxton. He's still a twin. I really thought he was going to get traded, and it and they have come to loggerheads for the extension. So I thought that would that would definitely be be a trade. Um, yeah, I'm looking over. I mean, Jose uh, Barrios from the Minnesota Twins. We knew he was gonna go. He was gonna land somewhere. I guess maybe. Yeah, I. I mean, I'm looking here and. I think maybe the Rangers that they were, I mean, before, and a lot of it, of course, could be hype. We're not, we're not trading Kyle, you know, we're not t- trading anybody. Kyle Gibson's going to stay here. Joey Gallo's going to, we're not, we're not in. And then Joey Gallo gets traded to the Yankees. And then after that, Philadelphia, the Phillies get Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, and a right-handed prospect and from the Texas Rangers. So that kind of surprised me because that had happened. That was kind of at the end of the deadline or towards the deadline um, that that happened. And so that kind of surprised me because the Rangers have been, I don't know if they're just holding their cards close to their chest or what they were doing, but they were like, nope, there's, we don't need to trade these guys. And a lot of people, you know, writers and said they probably were going to ask a lot for Joey Gallo. They were going to ask a lot for Kyle Gibson. But the Yankees and the Phillies obviously were whatever, you they know, what they had offered. A, a, good, uh, a good offer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I had one that really surprised me that when I saw it on the ticker, I was watching the MLB Network trade deadline show. And I'm looking at the ticker and I saw the name go by and I thought, what? But, and unfortunately, I couldn't rewind it. So I had to wait for it to come back around again. But the one that completely surprised me that made I did a double take was Pablo Sandoval. Oh, yeah. The panda being traded from the Braves to Cleveland. Yes, I have that highlighted amongst all this other highlights. That's why I missed it. How could they get rid of the panda hug in the dugout? What are the Braves going to do? I wonder if Jocelyn doesn't hit any more home runs this season because I feel like that was something that motivated Jock Peterson. Yeah. Was the panda hug. <laughs> was the panda hug. Well, they re- so they traded, uh, the Braves traded panda to the cleveland indians for outfielder eddie rosario so does rosario has he got that personality to i don't not that i ever saw no and he's not nicknamed the panda and will the panda continue you know will he take that to cleveland yeah um that will be something to see yeah. yeah you know what that is that's true and you texted me and i thought what why but yeah that's i just i wouldn't have traded him for that reason because of the panda hug well and and talking about trades there's been a lot of talk about uh the reliever in seattle that was uh, shipped over to the braves graveman and what a big part of the clubhouse he was and that there were guys crying because he left. Not yeah, and 
And that happened, that trade happened while they were playing each other. And everybody's yeah, like, just, you don't do that. That in your that own is, division. Yeah. And they just they just went to different clubhouses and swapped on over. And that one was a was a big thing. And I would think that I mean, I don't know how Panda was other than the hugs, but he's one of those guys that you just you kind of enjoy because he seems like he's having fun while he's out there. And that is that is something that changes the dynamic of uh, of a clubhouse. Yeah, definitely. Freddie Freeman's going to have to step up. He's going <laughs> to he needs to get his own. What's uh, what's his nickname? You know, and start doing Freddie Freeman hugs. That's right. Uh, yep. And then uh, we talked about, we know what the what the Dodgers got. The Angels did make a couple of moves. They sent Andrew Haney off to New York. He is a Yankee now. Uh, I'm not sure the Yankees are happy about that at this point, but. <laughs> well, I want to, I want to toot your horn instead of you tooting your own horn. You had a conversation on Twitter with Jeff Fletcher, who is a writer for the um, OC Register, um, Orange County Register, and you ask him, "What about Haney? Will he be traded?" And he said, "Nah, I don't. I don't think so. Uh, you he's know, not pitching, he, he doesn't he's not pitch pitching. Well this. He's not pitching well." And then that came across the ticker, and I was like, "You called it. You're the <laughs> prog- prognosticator. You need your own. You know." Well, you know. oddly. I almost wrote him back and said, do you see any of the relievers going like Tony Watson? And I didn't figure C-Shack was going to go anywhere, but that's who I was really (laughs) hoping got um, traded. But I thought, well, maybe Tony Watson. And a little bit later, sure enough. And it goes back to the whole thing. My thought about him is, is he's been a steady reliever he's been with the giants before so they know what they're getting and tony so tony watson went to the giants so the angels did make a couple of trades Uh, they called up uh, some people moved some things around we'll talk more about that when we get to the angels segment it's time for dodger baseball a mediocre week for the dodgers a couple of games you could just say no offense and that summed it up 500 week they played six games split the uh split them of course they ended on a uh, on a high note with uh two wins versus the d-backs so they started off with the giants and of course it was an exciting week for them because with the trade down trade deadline uh adding two arms in danny duffy and i want to talk about him in a little bit then uh of course max scherzer and trey turner Probably going to see Trey Turner in at second. So it begs the question, what about your favorite Dodger, Gavin Lux? (laughs) What happens with Gavin? So we'll have to see how that part plays out. But until he becomes an official part of the team after the COVID list, I guess he's an official part of the team. But once he gets off of the uh, COVID IL, uh, we'll see how, how they work that around and how he plays. So game one was a uh, a loss to the Giants. They lost two to one. And this was a major no offense game, unless your name is Billy McKinney. That's it. Billy McKinney was it. And we didn't mention him. He was traded early on before the trade deadline from the Mets. 
because uh, Mookie Betts was on the IL and he's been playing right field. And yeah, I mean, he just kind of showed up and here's Billy and and he's been, he's been, yeah, he's been decent. And he got the one RBI. Uh, Cody Bellinger started at first base, trying to give him some rest from running all over the center field uh, with his hamstring. But that didn't work out so well for the Dodgers. He had a crazy wild throw. I mean, there's been, okay, he overthrew. No, this ball was like he was maybe playing football. He was doing a Hail Mary. Somebody said he was throwing it to the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, I'm not sure what was going on there, but he, it basically, that throw helped solidify the Giants it win. It facilitated that it, uh, second yeah. run or that, that, uh, the second run because victory. then, yeah, because then the Dodgers couldn't, you know, get a hit to win, to come back to win. That was the go ahead run, the eight that the Giants scored on the crazy air by Cody Ballinger, which the next night the Dodgers come back. Uh, Bueller is pitching. Um, Julio Urias pitched in that first game. He went five and two thirds innings. He had uh, six hits, gave up one run. Um, had five strikeouts. Um, so not a bad outing for him. Uh, Walker Bueller on his birthday. Oh, by the way, yeah. a Giants name that keeps coming up every time they play the Dodgers came up in that game, too. It was Jake McGee. Uh, again. Yeah, again. Yeah. Uh, Jake McGee. Yeah, so he was there. But we'll gloss over that, and we're going to celebrate <laughs> Walker Bueller's birthday. <laughs> Yes, as he did. With a win, as he did. He um, got his 11th win of the season. He uh, Seven innings, three hits, no runs, no earned runs, two walks, eight strikeouts. Cody had a home run in that game. Um, Max was three for six. AJ was three for four. Billy McKinney, uh, one for four. Uh, Will Smith, two for four, had a triple. This is where you expect the Dodgers to have that offense that they were lacking in the first game. So really good win for them. Obviously, happy birthday to Walker Bueller win on that one. But then now, those kind of wins I don't like. Yeah. Because it looks like they're emerging from something and maybe they finally figured it out. So you go into the next night with your expectations too high. Yeah, Even if that they're is still low. True. It's too high because you think, <laughs> oh, they finally are kind of getting together. Well, it's the same thing with Cody Bellinger. In that win, he hit a home run. And it's, it's like, oh he's, oh, he's he's fixed. He's, he's good. And I'm like, no, he's not. Oh, he's lucky. He hit, yeah, he hit a home run. And that's it. Uh, yeah, so those wins are nice. But then they also can lead to games like the last game. David Price is on the mound. He only goes four in a third innings. He gives up uh, four hits, three runs, uh, had uh, three walks, two strikeouts, and the Dodgers lose five to nothing. Not because of David Price, obviously not a great, not a great day on the mound, but because the Dodgers, there's just no offense. When you look at the offense, you have AJ Pollock two for three. Austin Barnes was one for three. Max was one for four. 
Uh, Billy McKinney, unusually, he was 0 for 2 in that game. Albert Poolhalls was at first. They put Cody Bellinger in center field. And they also, the Giants had one of my favorite pitchers to watch, Johnny Cueto. Yes. And they hadn't seen Johnny Cueto this season. So I don't know if that they just forgot how he pitched. I mean, it's not like they haven't seen him before or he's different. But, you know, I wonder something I noticed, you know, you couldn't sit there in the dugout and look at the iPad or whatever they had to go through everything. And the other day, and I don't know if he was looking at from a catcher standpoint, the pitching or if he was looking at hitting, but he was sitting there looking at an iPad, not talking to anybody. And last season, they didn't have that in the dugout. So they were all talking to one another. I don't see that as much this year. And just because I saw him do that, I thought, is this part of what the issue is? They're not the team that they were last year because they're doing their own little things. I I don't know. I mean, it could be. Uh, I have noticed, you know, a couple of the guys, I'll see JT with one, but a lot of times somebody's sitting with him and they're watching it together. Um but I still see guys talking, especially when they come back into the dugout, um, either from, you know, scoring a run or if they struck out, giving them, you know, pieces of information. I think that rule is still, you know, you can't go into the clubhouse and watch. You have to be out in the dugout. So, um, right. So yeah, I, I knew mean, they it, had it brought could, it that you it could use again, but it could be because maybe. I think it was Chris Taylor who said last year, you know, you don't have it and it was a bummer, but it also made you just rely on your instincts, and rely on your own yourself on what you can do to the game. Right. Exactly. What can you learn by sitting there watching the pitcher who you're going back to look at, at this video or this, these stats on an iPad, when the person is right in front of you, yeah, right on the mound, watch them pitch. You might catch something that's not going to show up in the numbers or show up on whatever you have. Well, and you know, that's a, it's a good point you bring up because I think of last year, you know, cuz had some issues at the plate and Mookie Betts was helping him in the, um, you know, at batting practice, but also in the dugout. So does it take away from where the guys are watching the game? They're watching each other bat and they see those, um, you know, things. Maybe you do this or maybe you were doing that. Maybe that's what Cody Bellinger needs Yeah, is somebody to say, hey, your head's going the wrong way. You're, you know, you're doing this. Um, But maybe, you know, people aren't, they're not paying attention like they should be. So maybe robots should say, no more iPads in the or tablets in the uh, in maybe the just the uh, maybe just the the coaches you know the hitting yeah. coach or whoever could come over and say hey before you go keep these things in mind right you know? that's but it but yeah. I think what you're seeing the eye test what's going on in front of you may not just because it's on this screen this is basic across all of that pitcher's outings or maybe even the last outing maybe a little bit about what they've seen so far, but you should be watching that too, not just sitting back on the bottom bench 
looking at an iPad. I, maybe he's playing Candy Crush. I don't know, but <laughs> it could be. I uh, yeah, I don't know. So not a great. I mean, they won one game in San Francisco. They have to go back to they have San three Francisco. more. Yeah, three more, and that's it. Then they're done with them. But the problem is, these are now beginning to be higher leverage games, must win games if you want to win the West. Yeah, Th- they have to figure it out. And so then, just like last week, when the Giants were in LA, what did you say? The cure after a loss is to play. <laughs> Right, the Colorado, the Diamondbacks, et cetera. And they got the Diamondbacks. And first game is innings. Right, and we Why? know how terrible they are in innings. They're like one for 11 Yes, in innings. One for 11. They're awful. And one-run games, it's just, it's bad. Tony Gonsolin started this game not a good outing for Tony. He only went one and two thirds innings, uh, gave up two hits, two runs, five walks, which has been an issue for him. He only had one strikeout. I was listening um, on the radio and Rick Monday was not happy <laughs> with Tony Gonsolin, which I don't think anybody w- was, but I am a fan of Tony and, but I really like Rick Monday and he just said, you know, if you can't throw pitches, then you shouldn't be a pitcher. And I really thought there's something wrong with him that's not on the Cody level, but there's something going on. And being a Dodger, he's back on the IL with a uh, shoulder uh, inflammation. And I think he's going to need surgery. So I don't know if he will be back this season. He's just, he's a good pitcher. And he's not mechanic is is not there. Yeah, so it's the the physical part. You're you don't yeah. want him to have that. I don't know what the pitcher's uh, version of the yips is, but you don't right. want it to be something like that. You'd rather be physical, even though you don't want it to be that either. So right. I mean, yeah, he was out for quite a while with the shoulder injury. And then he came back and they were working his way up. His last start um, was probably his best start against the Rockies. And then he started again, hoping for the same thing against the Diamondbacks. And it just didn't, it didn't work out. And um, maybe, you know, with him being the IL with his shoulder, it does explain um, the mechanics that just aren't there. So it wasn't bad. I mean, it was six to five was the final, obviously in Zinnings. Uh, the Dodgers waited to score till the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings. CT3 with a home run and a triple, three RBIs. McKinney, uh, two for five. AJ, one for four. And Corey, in his uh, debut from the IL, was two for five uh, with a hit late in the game that helped uh, help keep uh keep things moving and and put them in a position to tie everything up uh and then they just the one thing i've noticed every team in zinnings seems to be able to move the ghost runner over to third fairly easily except for the dodgers yeah the they Dodgers can't. can never move their that man over no they pop up they strike out and the guy just stands there 
<laughs> or or even if they do hit a fly ball, it's in the shallow you right. know, outfield and an easy play. They can't they don't have a, ch- a chance to uh, uh, tag up and, and move and move up. Yeah, so, the Dodgers, the Dodgers used nine pitchers in that game. Uh, they gave up oh, six runs. Nine. <laughs> it has been lately. Nine walks, eight strikeouts. So we haven't mentioned the Jumbo Jack, but uh, no Jumbo Jacks um, that day. No, we're, we can't mention it because there's not been a lot of games <laughs> where they've had at least 10 strikeouts. Yeah. So we're all famished and we're, we're wasting away in Dodger land. Uh, yeah. So the next night we get past the Zinnings. Oh, and, and I next- just learned that yeah. McDonald's, I think if they score more than six runs in the game, Win or lose, you can get a six-piece nuggets, McNuggets. Oh. And they didn't even satisfy that. <laughs> They're one run away. Oh. You, I'll could start almost, sending... you could almost taste it. The nugget was like real close, and then it was like just yanked away. <laughs> uh Oh, yeah. What's the and then they also have a deal with like California Pizza Kitchen. Yeah, there's a Um, bunch of them. I didn't know about all of them. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You really you could just have your whole week if they have a winning week of, you know, Jumbo Jacks, Nuggets, um, if the Angels win fries, you could do it all. Pizza. Yeah, it is. Well, the next night. Yeah. The next night was a bullpen game. And the Dodgers ended up winning eight to Wait, three. It was scheduled to be a bullpen game, and yet they used fewer pitchers they did. than they did in the <laughs> night before. Exactly. Mitch White started. Uh, he looked really good. He gave up a home run to Cole Calhoun. Uh, that was really his only mistake. He pitched three and two-thirds innings. He gave up two hits, um, two runs. Uh, walked one, had five strikeouts. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, Mitch White is starting. Um, and they just, Mitch White needs to go back to Oklahoma City, but he's been up enough that I think he's feeling more comfortable and given, you know, I, he's obviously going to be in the bullpen, but maybe feeling a little more confident. He had a good game there. And the Dodgers ended up winning eight to three. Um, another guy that all of the, um, armchair managers <laughs> like to uh, beat up on is Edwin Yusita, uh from who was recalled from Oklahoma City. He closed out the game and he pitched an inning, had two strikeouts, didn't give up a run. And he, he looked good. So it's, you know, just one of those things. It's one of the things that really bugs me when you look at Twitter and after a game or they see the lineup and it's like, why did they put them there? And I, there's sometimes, you know, I've questioned why is Bellinger hitting where he's hitting? Um, but I just, I really, I'm thinking, have you ever pitched in major league, you know, baseball? No. Yes. Have you ever done this? uh, Well, you did. And and you have lost in Zinnings. (laughs) That's right. It was your debut on Friday. But I did go farther than uh, than Gonsolin. Than Gonsolin, yeah. You were one of the nine that was trotted out. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, so that was a good game there. A nice win, eight to three. But again, is it going to be? How's it going to be the next day? And Mookie Betts was back. Did that make a difference? Yes, it did. A big difference, apparently. Yeah, he played second base. Uh, they were, which is where he started. He was a uh, second baseman to begin with, and they. Started him there again to give him some ease on his hip so he wasn't running all over the right field there. Um, but he did do some somersaults and tumbling <laughs> while he was, was at second. So I'm not sure. Yeah. His hip than, uh, than standing in right field. That's what I was thinking. He had but a the, couple of spectacular plays out there. Uh, it makes you wonder how it is he's not an all-star second baseman. <laughs> right. Um, Julio Rios went uh, on Sunday. He got his 13th win. He is 13-3 and three this season. He went five innings, uh, four hits, gave it four hits, no runs, seven strikeouts, no walks. So looked really good. Mookie Betts was back two for five, had a home run. CT3, two for four. JT, two for five. AJ, four for five. With two RBIs. And don't forget, JT had a, another home run. Yes. He had, a, he had won the night before in the 8-3 to three win. Yep. And so, yeah. And then uh, Albert had a couple of back-to-back games that uh, that were pretty good. Of course, um, uh, Mookie's home run came off of Brian Holiday, who is uh, normally a catcher. Yeah. <laughs> so does it count? Uh, and it went off the foul pole. <laughs> Still a home run. It's still a home run. I'm I'm happy when you saw him swing, it looked like a home run. Yeah, it was a home run swing. I don't know if it sounded that way to you, but I saw it and it looked pretty good. Last week, Albert didn't have a great week and he didn't play that many games. So we gave him a a week off from his corner. But this (laughs) week, we will once again travel to Albert's corner. This week he uh, he played four games, went four for nine, batting 444 for the week, had a double, six RBIs, two walks, was hit by a pitch, and he stole a base. Stole a base. Which uh, which prompted somebody <laughs> on Twitter to say, we know he's not going to get to Barry Bonds and the home run title, but can he catch Ricky Henderson and the stolen bases? <laughs> To which I responded, as long as he gets past a fraud, I don't care. <laughs> and I think you had a like from Jose Canseco on that one. No doubt. <laughs> yes. I didn't see it either, but I'm sure that uh, if he saw it, he'd be, I'm all about that. That's right. A couple things I wanted to mention. Number one, Cole Calhoun, you mentioned him with the home run, two RBIs. He was really what drove them. And I, I like Cole. So, and then Zach Gallon pitched uh, that first game, and he kind of seems to own the Dodgers. He does. They can't figure him out. Doesn't matter if they watch him on an iPad or not. Um, <laughs> he had he had them in their in his back pocket. He could do. They, I think that Zach Gallon could do like Grinky does, and tell him what he's going to throw, and they still. Right. Yeah. It would know. Then like, okay. Yeah. Nope. 
All right, before we uh, we get to player of the week, I wanted to bring up Danny Duffy. He grew up a Dodger fan and was a huge Mike Piazza fan to the point that when he heard that Mike Piazza was traded, he like broke down. Yes. He was in devastated. Years. Yeah. And like a lot of people, when you have a favorite player, every time that the, the Mets were coming to town, he would set it up or, you know, whatever the situation was for him so that he could go see the Mets and the Dodgers play so he could see Mike Piazza. So I thought that was kind of cool. Hopefully he'll be back off the IL soon. I, I kind of like his, the vibe so far. And this was his childhood team. When I first heard about the trade, at first, my first reaction was like, what? Yeah, I, on the IL is doing that. But it took hearing a couple people on like MLB and on the radio and and that saying there's only one trade deadline. So you either go get them now on the IL or you don't get them at all. Right. Yeah, exactly. I know. I thought Danny Duffy. Ugh, I don't want to do what. And then did a little bit more research and heard stories and. He's a California boy, Dodger fan growing up. So, yeah. And I think um, he's been in the dugout, um, got there when they're in Arizona. So, bidding right in. Looks good. So, good addition. Well, we'll see. Hopefully. We hope. Yeah. All right. So, the, the series of the year happens this week for the first time. Even though they played last year, all they did was further the animosity between the two teams last year we had joe kelly acting out against him in the pouty lip this year we're going to have a stands will be full max scherzer is going to start in one of these games versus the asterisks the first meeting since all of the cheating scandal came out yeah it's gonna be crazy you have bueller and scherzer and it's gonna be loud and that stadium will be packed. Oh, yeah. It's going to be, they're going to be overflowing. There's going to be people taking helicopters to hover over so they can see <laughs> because it couldn't get in. And as much as I hate to say this, the Asterix have been on a roll. And that's even without Bregman. Yeah, that's and right. And I think we will, you might have something with him, him on the IL <laughs> list yeah. or, uh, segment. So they've got them. And then, of course... It's time for the remainder of the freeway series. Uh, the Angels will show up. All of this is going to take place at the ravine uh, before uh, the Dodgers head out to Philadelphia and New York to take on the Mets. Player of the week for you? This one, I had a hard time because there was one guy that I thought really, you know, he he did well. But there were some games where he didn't hit. But then this other guy hit in every single game. And so I did my eeny, meeny, miny, mo, And I went with A.J. Pollock this week. He is 13 for 25. He hit safely in every single game. 520 batting average, 4 RBIs, just... Uh, Four consistent, double. yeah. Two stolen um, bases. Yeah, I mean, he just has looked really good, and I just uh, when I when I put the the when I put him side by side, 
I had to go with AJ Pollock. AJ Pollock was head and shoulders above pretty much everybody. JT would have probably been in second. Billy McKinney was uh, in consideration. I'm sure that's uh, who you thought about. Y- yes. And I, I always try to do that too. Somebody who wouldn't normally get it. Cause a lot of these guys, they're doing what they always do. But AJ Pollock with that 520 average and that, uh, yeah, we're unanimous on that. I, I couldn't, as much as I thought about Billy McKinney, or maybe even JT, AJ Pollock was the uh, the Dodger, the main Dodger. Oh, one more thing before we uh, move on to take a look at the Angels. Uh, in the uh, game three, Julio won his five. You had a couple of people from the bullpen, and Jeffrey Ramirez closed up the game. When the game was over, they line up, the winning team lines up, high five, you know, as they go for everybody. But usually the very first thing, and I don't know if this could be considered an unwritten rule, but the pitcher normally goes to the catcher because they just finished up an inning or a game together. Jeffrey forgot that part and left because hanging. He really did. Really? <laughs> I mean, for a while. Because <laughs> it's like, and he got his hands out like, what's going on here, dude? Yeah, he's looking at the dugout. He's... And who sent Jeffrey to Cuz? Tio Alberto. That's right. <laughs> Tio Alberto was there to uh, to say, hey, go take care of your catcher. Go say hey. Yeah. Shake hands with the catcher. <laughs> Give him a hug. Something. <laughs> yeah, the look on Cuz's face was was great. I mean, he just like, what? Excuse what? me? <laughs> Angels spent the week at home. Seven games. They took on the Rockies and the A's. So you would hope that their series versus the Rockies, since they do have a better record than the Rockies, they would win them all to keep them from having an issue with Oakland, who seems to have owned them. It was going to be a, a tough week. It's the Rockies, right? The yeah. Rockies coming to town. So before we get to that, though, I need to go back to last week where forgot a couple of things. And also, let's talk about a couple of trades. Number one, when they were in Minnesota, the Twins intentionally walked Shohei. Now, there were a lot of Angels fans in Minnesota, and I heard the booing when they walked him and i thought oh maybe it's the angels fans of course the angel feed they showed some of the angels fans but when they went out the twins fans were booing as well (laughs) they're like don't we want to watch him hit we probably only came to this game because of shohei that's right they want to see greatness and they didn't get it and they they had he had to walk so they were upset about that 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 was last week and then another and a pickup uh, that uh, Adam Eaton had been DFA'd by uh, the White Sox. And the Angels picked him up off waivers. He's he's played okay at the plate. He's been okay. 16 games he's played so far for the Angels. Uh, he's 11 for 45, which is a 244 batting average. Uh, two doubles, one RBI in that time frame. But there's been something about him defensively. He's been pretty solid. His veteran presence, could you have kept Albert Pujols and just played Jared Walsh out in right field? Yeah, and had similar numbers because Albert's probably batting overall better with hits in that. 
His batting average is around the same, though. But Adam Eaton, I was like, why would you go do that? And he's actually worked out pretty well. In fact, so well, I don't think that uh, the fact that they called up Joe Adele, I don't think they needed to. They should have left Joe Adele down at AAA where he's tearing it up. And someday he'll retire from AAA. So the Rockies come to town and uh, the Angels didn't fool around. They took game one, six to two. Last week's player of the week. Jack Mayfield was one, one for three, two RBIs and a home run. Max Stassi, a great game, two for four, an RBI and a double. Adam Eaton was one for three. Jared Walsh, before he went on the IL, was two for three with an RBI. And Shohei pretty much dominated the Rockies. Seven innings pitched, one run, struck out five. And then he went one for four at the plate with an RBI and a stolen base. So a good start. Game two, not so much. And a guy that we talked about when the Rockies were at Dodger Stadium seemingly just likes to play in Southern California. It's not just about what can be done at Dodger Stadium. It's what he did in Anaheim Stadium. And that is Sam Hilliard, three for three, a home run and three RBIs. Brendan Rogers, three runs and a home run, three uh, RBIs and a home run. And then... Connor Joe, <laughs> three for five and three RBIs. So they had a really good mm-hmm. outing. As far as the Angels were concerned, uh, Fletch, good day, three for four. Juan Lagares, two for four. Shohei with uh, number 36 and two RBIs. So he was responsible for 66% of the offense, <laughs> of the runs scored. Uh, Jose Suarez, not a good game this time out. Six hits uh, and eight runs. Three and a third innings. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was not good. Actually, I think there was somebody else, not a traditional member of the bullpen, who had a better outing than yeah. Jose Suarez. Yeah, Adam Eaton. He uh, came in. He pitched an inning. He gave up two hits, no runs, uh, no walks. Didn't have any strikeouts, but he had like he was throwing about eighty-seven miles per hour. So and Shohei was impressed um, well, with his <laughs> this outing. So that's something to you know be proud of. Yeah, absolutely. The rubber match of the series with the Rockies uh, worked out well for the Angels. Is an eight to seven win. Shohei hit number thirty-seven, an MLB leading thirty-seventh home run. Uh, which is still standing at this point, as far as I know. Uh, You went two for three with three RBIs. The goose was loose. Phil Gosselin, two for four. J-Up, a a name we haven't said very often since uh, he went on the IL earlier after being on a tear. He hit a home run, two RBIs. And Max Stassi with a home run and an RBI. Andrew Haney started that game turned out to be his final game as an angel yeah and it wasn't bad i mean he went six innings four hits three runs uh gave up three walks had eight strikeouts gave up a home run but it was a good outing for him it was Um, it was definitely solid i you know i'd forgotten about uh his story you know andrew haney was traded from the marlins to the dodgers that's right. He was a Dodger for about an afternoon when the Dodgers traded him to the Angels. And do you remember for who? 
I do not. I will have to. Howie be, Kendrick. Oh, how could I not know that? Yeah, that makes so, total sense. And yeah. now he's a Yankee. So uh, it's it's kind of cool. I think for some of these guys, especially when you get to go to uh, iconic franchises, the Dodgers, the Yankees, uh, and you put on that uniform for the first time, uh, he has been part of both the Dodgers and now the Yankees, even if it was for a brief <laughs> moment, he was a Dodger. He is no longer in the organization. Don't know who's going to come up. Actually, we kind of do when he and he shows up in the A series, and we'll talk about him in just a couple minutes. Who him is? Uh, pretty much, the A's have just owned the Angels. They've shut them out multiple times. In fact, the first two games of this uh, series, four to nothing, two to nothing. And actually the third game was one to nothing. So the first three games of this series were all <laughs> shutouts. Stassi, Julio Iglesias, one hit each. And the Angels left, uh, were 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position. In that second game where they were shut out, 0 for 7. But take take a look at that 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position. So it wasn't like they left a lot of people on base right. or couldn't hit. They just didn't get anybody on base. Yeah, it was a, it was a drought. It was ridiculous. Uh, Dylan Bundy didn't look too bad. Uh, went four and a third, gave up two hits, three runs, struck out two. I, I wonder if all the stuff that's going on with him has really gotten in his head. Because he doesn't seem like he's really getting past. He's at a he's at one of those speed bumps. You know, some of them are kind of smooth. You just kind of roll over them. And others of them, you feel like the whole front end of your car is about to come off, even though you went over them very, very slowly. Right. I think he's at one of those kind of speed bumps. Yeah. I think too, there's a total difference from how he was last year to what he's doing this year. Oh, yeah. Frankie Montas uh, for the A's, seven innings pitched, only gave up three hits, struck out 10. Now, just to talk about the A's for a second, I think that the A's have some pitching issues. They're going to cause them to to have a real issue with the uh, the asterisks as they uh, they head down the stretch. Um the next game, Jay up, two hits. Like you said, uh, 0 for 7, runners in scoring position. They left seven on base. Stassi had a hit. The whole team had seven total hits. So we had the seven, seven, and seven. If we were playing the slot machine, maybe we would have won. <laughs> yeah. Or if we wouldn't, it would have gone on the. We would have had the blank one and the sevens lined up right below it, though, is what would have happened. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Patrick Sandoval, uh, four hits and one run. He he didn't uh, pitch badly. He only gave up one run. It was Mike Myers who gave up the other run, the winning run, too. So really nobody was doing anything in that game. It wasn't a pitcher's duel, so you were, like, excited about it. It was just kind of – it was one of those games where I understand why they say, well, you know, we got to get people involved in the game. You need offense. Well, there's been no offense. We talked about what happened with the Dodgers in a couple of carries. Here, the Angels had no offense. 
Game three. One to nothing. A W for the the Halos. And finally broke that streak of seven in a row that the A's had beat them. But in that game, so let's see, they lost two to nothing. They had seven hits. They won one to nothing and had five hits as a team. Shohei had a double, which scored Matt Dice, who had just been called up and has already been sent back down uh, for that game. Uh, Jaime Berea on the mound, six innings pitched, only gave up four hits, no runs. Uh, Steve Ciszak actually had a hold. He didn't give it away. Wow. And then uh, Rizel Iglesias with his 22nd save. And I want to I want to say something here about Rizel Iglesias. I have issues with Rizel because he's like a closer. I think we all have love-hate relationships with many closers. But there was something that was pointed out on one of the Angels broadcasts. And I think I heard it somewhere else. And I'd forgotten about it. But Rizel Iglesias has more like four to six out saves than any other pitcher in major league. He comes in and does the long form save. He's had some issues. Like you said, you have some issues with him, but I mean, I think overall he's, he's looked good for the angels coming in and 22 saves. I mean, that's, that's nothing to sneeze at. No, he's, he's doing well. Uh, The A's threw a guy named Cole Irvin, who made his debut there, uh, 6.1 innings, just gave up those five hits in the one run. And apparently, on a headline I saw, I didn't read the story, he introduced his slider in this game. So that must must have helped. I don't know. I uh, (laughs) I didn't pay attention to his slider, but he introduced it there. And then uh, Andrew Chafin, who was a new pickup to the A's from the White, uh, the Cubs, Chicago. Let's just say Chicago, <laughs> then I'm covered, right? Yep. Um, anyway, and I'll tell you something that I thought was funny about him coming up. Uh, let's look at Sunday's game, which was another big L. The Angels started off good. They were up three to nothing early in the game. But uh, Reed Detmers, who was last year's uh, First round pick for the Angels out of Louisville. Pitched, uh, didn't get to pitch last year. He was at the alternate site, but uh, started off with the Trash Pandas. Pitched a lot there in double A. And then one outing in triple A where he was okay. I mean, had a good outing, but that was it. And they brought him up. He started off the game okay, but then Matt Olson came to the plate. And with a 3 nothing lead, Matt Olson hit number 28, a three-run homer that tied it up, and it just pretty much fell apart from there. Uh, Jan Gomes, uh, in his uh, first game as an A, after being traded by... The Nationals? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, along with uh, with his uh, teammate that's still his teammate, uh, Josh Harrison, who played uh, in that game as well. But he hit a home run, and... Uh, Reed Detmers, it kind of got away from him. It didn't look bad overall, especially for a kid that's never uh, pitched in at uh, this level. Uh, it was his first start, like we said, or I said, uh, he went four and a third innings, gave up six hits, six runs, two home runs, struck out two, and walked two. I, I like his attitude, though, after 
the game. I mean, he is his first, you know, his debut. Um, but he said, you know, it's baseball and we'll just get better and do it again. You know, it's not right. <clears throat> that outing could have happened at AAA just as easily. Right. So. Yeah. I, I, you know, that was one thing I heard somebody say, and I don't, I don't know if it was like Mark Langston on the radio, on the Angels radio, but they said, you know, there's guys when you're throwing, actually it was Dodgers. And I think they were talking about Bruce Star Gratterall, but they're talking about, you know, when you're down at the double A, those guys aren't hitting hundred mile hour fastballs. No, so you they're look not. incredible. Triple A, you might have a guy here or there that can do it. But not like, not like uh, when you get to the bigs, the majority can hit that ball. That's why they're there. And you yep. have to figure out how to pitch at the big league level. And so he's he's just going to have to do that. It was they projected that he would be up. They even thought he might come up last year. Yeah, and I, I think again I, we've talked about this um, before, and it goes back to you know exactly what you said they just the the guys that he's seen in double a the one time he played in triple a or the start he had in triple a they're not the same guys that you're going to see in uh majors in the majors so you just got to keep you know getting them out there getting them some more um exposure to these hitters um, because otherwise he's never going to get it. So, and the angels are in a position where they can do that. I'm not to say that, Oh, you know, and he could win a game, but somebody, you know, another team that's, you know, maybe in a pennant race, they probably wouldn't be as willing to bring no. him up. Uh, once again, really limited offense, uh, Max Stassi with a home run and, uh, yeah, two hits. And two RBIs. Uh, so really, really not good. For the A's, Jed Lowry was the other one who contributed with a couple of RBIs. All the starters for the A's had at least one hit, and they only had eight hits for their eight runs. So they were very economical there. <laughs> uh, so before we get on to uh, to take a look at this week's uh, Player of the Week for the Angels, I want to talk about Andrew Chafin for just a second. This guy looks like a Midwestern guy, like a guy you would see if you were watching a movie based in Chicago. You know, one of the good old guys, his hair is kind of bushy. He's got the big handlebar-ish uh, mustache. He sent out a tweet to the A's fans, something to the effect of, hey, A's fans, does anybody know where I could get a boat that I could live on while I'm in Oakland, maybe take out fishing, game tickets and a case of beer for your efforts? And it just it made me laugh. You know, here's this guy he looks like a character. He looks like he would spend his time on Lake Michigan in Chicago, you know, in his boat or on some other lake. And uh, and he wants one that he can he wants the same thing there uh, in the bay. Uh, in Oakland. So I thought that, that made me laugh. Yeah. He seems like a kind of guy, you know, uh, that would be, uh, that could have hung out with like John Candy and Dan oh, yeah. Aykroyd or, you know, those right. guys. Yeah. Um, but For yeah, sure. I saw that too. I thought that was, uh, that was pretty cool. I don't know. Um, I'd have to go back and see if anybody helped him out. I'm sure so. somebody, somebody was more than willing. Probably even told him he didn't need game tickets. Yeah. I just need the case of beer. I don't care about the game. <laughs> <It's neat. laughs> there you go. 
Um, I will mention the IL for the Angels because we did talk about a pitcher, and that's Alex Cobb, who is currently on the IL with wrist injury. So hopefully he'll be back. And then Jared Walsh, which you mentioned, with a right intercostal strain. So can you explain that? Yes. Intercostal, (laughs) I found out, means between the ribs. So instead of saying if he's got a strain between his ribs, which I guess would be layman's terms, uh, he uh, uh, it's intercostal. Not intercostal. No. It's intercostal. And I guess he can still swing and everything, so it's not terribly bad. But, uh, you know, it's still it's still it's not an oblique because it's between his ribs. The obliques more outside and to the side. Um, So hopefully he'll be back soon. Uh, Anthony Rendon, still no timetable for anything. It seems like he's on track, but nobody knows anything. I, I'm wondering if he's just not even motivated to bother now, if he's kind of given up on the season. And then Mike Trout seems to be getting better, I guess, when they did an MRI, because uh, he still doesn't feel, he still feels like there's something wrong, even though there's no pain. They said, no, everything's healing like it's supposed to, but we're not sure what's going on. Rendon's got no rehab action going on. Uh, and Mike Trout's doing a little bit here and there. He was in Minnesota taking batting practice. I don't know what he's doing right now. Uh, so who knows? And honestly, at this point, I don't know if it even matters. They're playing. It, it makes me wonder, though. They're playing 500 baseball. They're up one night. They're down one night. It's just a back and forth of they're at 500. Maybe they're a game over. Then they're back under. Hopefully they're playing the Rangers. So hopefully they can uh, they can win a couple there to uh, to you know take advantage of of that uh, time with the team below them. I don't know if they can. And then they're going to play the Dodgers, and who knows with the Dodgers? Player owed week. So I went with Stassi Stassi, and that's Max Stassi. That's how I remember how to say his last name right. Uh, 388 batting average, four RBIs, two home runs. So I went with Max this week. As did I. He was on, he was uh, like almost every game. So multiple winner, Max Stassi. Uh, they even moved him into the cleanup spot before he used to bat like seventh or eighth. Uh, five games this week, seven for 18, a double, two home runs. On the season, he's batting 310 with 10 home runs. And 48 hits. And you would think, just because it feels like he's always hitting a home run, that he would have more than 10 home runs now. But that's where he's at. He's definitely been a solid player for the Angels, probably their MVP right now, with Fletch being probably 1 and 1A, the two of them together have, uh, you know, Fletch coming back around. Uh, Oh, and Shohei. I can't... I can't forget Shohei, and we're going to let Shohei have the week off from his spotlight. The light's getting in his eyes. He's preparing for his next start, which will be versus the Rangers as well. It's time to take a look around the league and 
And uh, as usual, we try to get these little administrative housekeeping things out of the way so that we share the information with you, but we don't dwell on the information. And we're going to start it off with, first of all, uh, Trevor Bauer. He's suspension, not suspension, but his administrative leave has been extended through the end of August, I believe it is. Yeah, it's been extended through the end of August. The hearing, uh, the three-day hearing they were supposed to have was supposed to have already started, but it's been moved to the middle of August. I think it's the 16th through the 18th. So they just went ahead and extended that leave till the end of the month. Which brings us to Starlin Castro. Starlin, uh, as you might recall, uh, we told you was suspended for 30 games. He's not postseason eligible, and that was all for violation of the domestic violence um, rules in uh, in MLB. Uh, Mike Rizzo, the GM there, has said he's done. He will no longer be a national once uh, once that's all said and done. And Dave Martinez, the manager there, is in full agreement. All right. Now, one of the first things I wrote down, you've already mentioned, but I thought it was interesting that uh, Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo and Javi Baez all homered for their new teams, their first games with their new teams. Uh, that was uh, that was pretty cool. So I guess they were all happy. I they Yeah. Chicago and uh, we'll show them home runs. That's right. <laughs> Two of them went to New York, one to uh, the Mets, one to the Yankees, and, of course, Chris Bryant is a giant. So we will have to see him for at least three games. We will. And I didn't mention this when we talked about it in the trade, but I'd want to mention it real quick is a lot of you are like, oh, this is just a great trade for the Giants with Chris Bryant. And I'm like, really? I mean, yeah, it's good that he's um, – Again, I guess, I don't know if it's good for him, uh, but Evan Longoria has been on the IL for quite a while. Not sure of timetable when he'll be back. Evan Longoria plays third base. Chris Bryant plays third base. <laughs> made sense. It made, I, it was a common sense trade to me. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I also think that uh, with Chris Bryant, you can put him into the outfield. And they right. need they need some outfield help, I think, more than their their infield is pretty solid when they're not on the IL. Yeah, so. and his name rhymes, Bryant the Giant. So there's that. And I know I think that's the whole reason that they wanted him. They was wanted they him just simply for marketing purposes. Marketing Bryant the purposes, Giant. Bryant the Giant. <laughs> and and play it, third base. <laughs> right. And it's not a downgrade. Sometimes when you get somebody in to play third base, you've called somebody up or a utility player who may or may not be able to be at that same level uh, or close to it. Uh, one of the other trades we didn't really talk about at the uh, well, we we talked about one piece of it with the Mariners asterisk trade. And that was the Graveman part and the effect it had on the clubhouse. But Abraham Toro was part of that trade, and he did something that no one has ever done before. You know what that is? He hit home runs for one team that he was a part of, and then 
he hit a home run for another team that he's now a part of against the team that he once was a part of. Does that make sense? Yes. He hit home runs for both teams in one series because the way they got traded, they just moved from one locker room to the other locker room. On Monday, he hits a home run for the Astros. On Tuesday and Wednesday, he said, oh, yeah, Astros, take this. Shook his fist at him and a home run on each day versus yeah, the see, asterisk. See what you see what you're missing. That's right. I could have been doing this against them, but now I have to do it against you. So that was interesting. Uh, I had never even thought about that happening. Rodolfo Castro plays for the Pirates, and his first five hits of the season, not five in a row necessarily, but his first five hits of the season, all home runs. That's crazy. (laughs) How does that happen? I don't know if he's gotten any more. I haven't looked since then, but uh, I, I'm guessing that if he had any more hits and there were home runs, that would have become bigger, bigger news. Yeah, I think so. Maybe he got a single or something. It's like, yeah, just do a single. <laughs> probably unhappy about that. But yeah, that's kind of weird. Five hits on the season at that point, all home runs. Um, Dansby Swanson from the Braves which is a team that made some moves during the trade uh, deadline. Obviously, we talked about Panda moving, but are they going to, in the East, it's wide open. The Phillies got some pitching, made a couple of moves. The Mets made a move, but the Mets still have pitching issues because their main pitcher's out. I'm not going to say anything yet about that because I'm sure you will. And then like Marcus Stroman having issues, Taiwan Walker having issues. So they still, they needed pitching. And uh, I think they were probably in on Max Scherzer or trying to be in on Max Scherzer as well. And that didn't work out. Uh, But Dansby Swanson, seven RBIs and a grand slam recently, uh, giving him a, a great game. Padres needed pitching. They didn't get any pitching. They got what Daniel Hudson and as a reliever who's on the IL courtesy of the nationals. It's um, I didn't, they, they really whiffed on the trade down line. The pitch, the Padres did. <laughs> yeah. Especially because they were in on everyone and yeah, they, didn't they ended to, up not getting any of the big names that they kept thinking. Uh, and, and their pitching staff has just been terrible in July all of them over six ERAs. And I did hear that uh, Denelson Lamont is expected back this season, but he's probably going to go into the bullpen. Uh, Another thing connected to the Mets and pitching, with the 10th pick in the draft, they drafted Kumar Rocker, and something in his medical reports caused them to non-tender him. So he is now out there to go do something else. He can't sign with any other teams. He can be drafted again next year, or he can go play internationally. He could play in an independent league. The Mets get an 11th round or not 11th round, an 11th pick uh, next year as compensation for not, uh, not signing rocker. His uh, agent is Scott Boris, who of course says there's nothing wrong with him. You don't know why, uh, what they see, but he's fine. He throws for fine. He doesn't have any issues. Yeah, but 
it was his post-draft physical. So they said there was something. The Mets said they were not aware of his arm issues. Uh, so would they have drafted him? I don't know. I think that's kind of what they're alluding to. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, well, and the brother, I mean, we mentioned, we talked about the Angels. And you're like, why didn't they go, you know, after um, Kumar Rocker? Did they know? Was there some kind of inside or suspect or something? So, yeah, he will um, be back, I'm sure. Um, Somebody pick him up. I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with him. Well, unless it's something that, I mean, if it's just like a Tommy John thing, you know, he'll have to get that done and then work his way back in and, and go from there. He can't get into the major leagues through like a non um, a non drafty signing type thing. He has to go through the draft and he's not eligible again until next year. So we'll see what happens with him. I guess though the Mets should have just signed him because most of their pitching staff is riding on the wheel of I am. Yeah, the Mets are there, uh, but I wanted to start with our first guy. I mean, I guess we'll just start with the Mets, with uh, Jacob deGrom, who has right forearm tightness. Now, we have seen him where he's gone out and pitched, and then he gets um, taken out of the game, and usually, I think it was probably around this, you know, sixth inning, and, uh, oh, he's okay. We're just taking him out. And, um, but now he, re- he's on the IL, he's had some setbacks and it's right forearm tightness. Not sure when he will be back. If there'll well, be a rehab assignment. Recently shut him down for two weeks because there was, a uh, another issue. Uh, um, I read that, that they'd shut him down for a couple of weeks because he had some discomfort that he shouldn't have had. Uh, so they're they're waiting to restart him up again. And it just seems like an on-again, off-again thing. And I wonder if that's part of the problem. They start him up too early. Yeah, where he's not quite ready to go. And then it just, it's not fully, yeah, healed or... So, yeah, and when you're looking at that, you know, it's the forearm, but still that all those tend everything connects. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll see um, hand, what happens the there. The bone is connected to the <laughs> arm bone. The That's arm bone connected to the is it wrist bone. I don't know. Uh, another bone. big name, Tyler Glass now will have Tommy John surgery. He last pitched on June 14th. I think we all remember that was right as, the sticky situations were happening in MLB where the uh, pitchers were getting checked and he really blamed what was going on. You know, this injury on not being able to use, uh, I think he was using like sunscreen and rosin. And so um, he said, so he said, right. Uh, but he is injured and will be out for the rest of the season. Not even sure if he will be back next season and how that will work. Um, so Tyler Glass now out. That's got to be a blow for Tampa Bay 
but you think it would be, but they've been playing really well without him. So maybe not. Yeah. No, that's what I'm thinking is, is you don't need him. Yeah. Not at this point. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. is on the will this week. He is on the 10 day IL with a shoulder injury. He's had the shoulder injury for a long time. He dislocates it and then they pop it back in and then he does it again. Uh, you can only do that so many times before you got to get it repaired. And they are saying this is Jace Tingler. And others are saying that he could be facing season-ending surgery um, if he doesn't make enough progress over this 10-day period. Tatis Jr. has other plans. He wants to continue to play this season. But you really have to think, okay, how long has this been going on? This has been going on for at least a couple of years, if not more. Same thing that Cody Bellinger had and he had shoulder surgery in the right. off season. So maybe that's why Ted T's is like, I don't want surgery. Look, but um, <laughs> look what happens. But he has <laughs> other plans. So we'll see. We're going to watch what happens with him. And you know, he's, uh, he's a big part of that team, obviously. Yeah. But they have enough pieces that without him, their, their pitching is of a, a bigger concern, I think, than Tatis going out. He's not carrying the club all by himself. He's a big part of it, but they can replace him and still not, you know, you've got Frazier, you got Cronenworth, you got Machado, you got uh, Hosmer, Tommy Pham, uh, you know, and, and others that are, are coming in and playing, you know, well every day. I think that him going out's not going to, not going to be an issue. They'll still be the second wild card probably, but yeah. Yeah, I don't think it'll be um, too much. I think it'll be harder for the Padres training staff and others to convince him to have surgery um, than it will be for the Padres not to, you know, continue to be okay without him. Uh, but we'll talk about another Padre uh, pitcher, Chris Paddock. He is on the 10-day IL with a left oblique strain. So Obleke. that could... Obleke. Uh, oh my side. You know, <laughs> that could, you know, pose issues for the Padres because they do need help in pitching just like everyone else does. Uh, Gio Ursula, the Yankees third baseman, he's on the IL with the hamstring. This is interesting with the hamstring because you either have oblique or hamstring injury. And if you are Alex Bregman, you had um, I believe, I don't know that they said it was oblique, but it was in that area. He went on a rehab assignment and then injured his hamstring while on the rehab assignment. So he is back on the IL. So you with could both. do it with both pretty much because he's still rehabbing. He just wants um, so badly to be accepted by people that he's, he's getting all the popular injuries. That's right. Can't even be Let's a see rigid. what else I can do. <laughs> Andrew McCutcheon is uh, the Phillies is on the 10 day IL with a knee injury uh, is somewhat concerning because he's had surgery on. I don't know if it was been on this knee, but he's had surgery on his on one of his knees, if not both. But they did do an MRI and it revealed nothing major. 
and uh, at this point. So hopefully he will be back for the Phillies. But besides hamstrings and obliques, COVID is rearing <laughs> its ugly head in MLB clubhouses. As I reported last week, Christian Yelich is on the IL after testing positive, And Josh Hader joined him after testing positive. And along with um, some other guys on the team that are part of contact tracing. Uh, then you also have Don Mattingly, the manager for the Marlins. He tested positive but it seems like nobody else was affected. So I'm not, not sure if he, yeah, nobody, nobody, they all stay out. away from him. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, uh, he's like, he hasn't know, affected the Marlins throwing a no hitter and he gets isolated down on one end of the bench and nobody will sit next to him. Right. Don Mattingly's team all stays away from him like that. Like he's yes. pitching a no hitter, which probably means that the Marlins have no hits. Right. Yeah, exactly. And this is a new one. He was supposed to start against the Orioles, but he is on the COVID IL list, and that is Garrett Cole, who just tested positive. So we'll see how that works out for the Yankees as they go forward. They made all these deals, got Rizzo, got Gallo, and um, they're pitching. pitching still they got Andrew suffers. Haney. They got Andrew Haney. Yeah. 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 Uh, Chris Sale from Boston. Uh, looks like he's on his way back and will pitch at some point uh, this season. Yeah, they're another team, the Red Sox, that a lot of people, as you mentioned, it seemed like every single team needs starting pitching. Uh, Red Sox, when they traded for Schwarber, is like, okay, um, but you need a pitcher. Uh, but I'm thinking maybe they're hoping with the timeline for Chris Sale that he'll be back in time to to pitch, get in the rotation. With the injuries in the- this year, I think a lot of teams, because the Dodgers were that way, we need to get these players back in uh, so that, um, and that'll be like an infusion. We'll have a different team because there's so many of them, uh, that, uh, big players that have been out across Major League Baseball. Now he is, I guess, on the uh, permanent IL for the rest of the season, and that is Terry Francona. He is stepping down as manager of the Cleveland Indians to focus on his health just for the season, not for the, not forever. He, the 62-year-old Francona, he's been wearing a boot on his right foot um, all season after undergoing toe surgery for a staph infection in February. But he's also been dealing with a hip problem that requires surgery. So we'll see yeah, it's time you know, to... how that goes for him. And he just needs to get out of the out of the dugout, focus on his health, and get better for next season so he can put on the new uniform of the Cleveland Guardians. So he can be the head guardian. That's right. All right. So we didn't talk about this at the beginning because we we dealt with all that ugly stuff. Player of the week. Player of the week for the National Leagues. Who else could it be but our favorite Canadian, Joey Votto? He finished the week with a 375, 448, and 1.25 slash line, seven home runs, 11 RBIs. He reached the 20 homer mark for the season for the first time since 2017. And his OPS is 
Nice. Uh, he had back-to-back two homer games, multi-homer games uh, in this last week. Uh, the AL finally, over his fatigue, <laughs> playing shenanigans in the in the uh, the dugout, I hear. Uh, and back in Rogers Center. They are oh, back. Yes. The Blue Jays are they, back. Are the Toronto Blue Jays? Yes, they're so not somewhere back. in Florida. They're not Buffalo. Does that yeah, mean that well, the Bison are leaving Trenton to go back? I, to Buffalo? Yeah, maybe. I guess so. That would make sense. But right. But we just know about Toronto, and they are back in the Rogers Center. And George Springer is the AL Player of the Week. Uh, he hit 400 with five doubles, three home runs, seven RBIs, had six walks, eight runs, scored out of the leadoff spot. And in his first game in Toronto, uh, he went as, as a Blue Jay. Uh, he went three for four with an RBI double. Um, and the next day, he had his 40th career leadoff homer. Nice. And then hit another one. And so that's exactly why they brought him there. And they're happy that uh, he's coming around and, and getting in there over his his injury woes and uh, starting to the you know, Toronto made uh, a couple of moves to try to fortify their pitching staff because other than Hunjin Rue, they're really not a great pitching staff, but they, uh, they're trying to get in there and the AL East is so strong between the Rays, the Red Sox, even the Yankees have started picking it up. We'll see, you know, with uh, Garrett Cole being out for a little bit, you know, what impact that has Rizzo coming in there, Gallo coming in there, how that affects, uh, things, uh, how that works with judge and Stanton, as well they seem pretty formidable can they move up the ranks uh, we know the orioles are out of it and the blue jays for as great as they've been playing as much fun as they've been to watch even when uh vladdy jr is being tied to the bench courtesy <laughs> of george springer um, and teammates yeah well he had get, been given the day off and he didn't want to have the day off and so they taped him to the to the uh, to the bench, and I think there was like a, a handle or you know like a bar or something there, and they taped him to that. So it's like you are not playing, you will not get up, you will stay here. So they're having here. fun in Toronto. Yep. And now the and that's what you want to see. You want to see them have fun. That's how you end up winning. You go on a run. It's because you're playing loose and free. You're just playing baseball. Everybody keeps waiting for San Francisco to fall apart. Their pitching staff has had some issues recently, but they're just playing ball. They're not worrying about anything else. They're just playing baseball. Yeah, that's it. I think the Red Sox are kind of in that same territory, too, because they weren't supposed to be doing anything this year. No, and they're they're doing well. And... I think maybe the addition of uh, Kike has helped um, in that dugout. Maybe lightening things light up a loose. little bit. <laughs> yeah. Right. Now it is the uh, the beginning of August, which means we have all the, the players of the month 
from July, and I think you said you had those compiled, so take it away. All right, so players of the month are Angel's right-hander and designated hitter, Shohei Otani. This is the second straight month that he has been given this award. He is the first back-to-back player of the month award winner in either league since Chase Headley in August and September of 2012. Everybody remembers Chase Headley, right? Right, and, uh, Yeah, the first in the AL since Josh Hamilton um, did it earlier in 2012. So what can we say about Shohei? Yeah, what nine Exactly. Nine homers, 19 RBIs, 16 walks. Uh, 282, 396, and a 671 slash line in 23 games at the plate, and a 1.35 ERA, 17 strikeouts, one walk in 20 innings. He is the current Major League uh, home run leader with 37. He has a 173 OPS as well as a 153 ERA plus this season and a 6.8 WAR. Which leads yeah. Major League Baseball. Which, yeah. So, and and uh, he came. He was slumping out of the All Star game. Yes, slumping exactly. And look at look what he did. Not only did this player get Player of the Week award, he also gets the National League Player of the Month, and that is Joey Votto. This is his first National League Player of the Month award. He's been in the big leagues for 15 seasons, all with the Reds. Uh, he homered in seven straight games, and he came within inches of his eight against the Mets, which would have tied the AL-NL consecutive games with a home run. Votto had 11 home runs in July. He had a, a 319, 19 walks, 25 RBIs in 26 games. So he's just tearing it up, having fun, and uh, in Cincinnati. Now we also have the pitchers of the month, and I do have to mention this because Walker Bueller of the Dodgers has been named the National League Pitcher of the Month for July, and Jamison Tellian of the New York Yankees was the uh, AL Pitcher of the Month, and uh Walker, five starts compiled, perfect 3-0 record with 38 strikeouts, nine walks, and 1.67 ERA, over 32.1 innings pitched, 20 hits. Um, He allowed 20 hits but did not allow a home run. And he earned his final start of the month. He earned his 11th victory. Um, So just Walker is just being Walker on the mound, looking good. And then Jameson Allian, he enters, he has the third lowest ERA in the majors, and he had a 4 0 record with a 1.16 ERA and a 25 to 10 strikeout to walk ratio across five uh, starts. Um, he tossed five innings without allowing more than two earned runs in all of his outings in July. Uh, he's not lost a decision since May 31st when they played the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. So he's dominating good for the Yankees, I'm sure, because they need pitching help. Then I also want to mention our relievers <laughs> of the month. And normally I probably wouldn't mention them, but one 
we talked, actually both of them we talked about. Uh, Angels, Rizal Iglesias and Giants left-hander Jake McGee were both named Reliever of the Month award winners for July. And um, Jake McGee was unscored upon in July, throwing 11 innings, striking out nine, and permitting only six of the 39 batters he faced to reach base. I think that was all against the Dodgers. I don't know, but (laughs) it seemed like it. Yeah. And he was one of four relievers to record seven saves in July. Now, who is the other person who was in that group? of the Angels. He won the American League Reliever of the Month Award after posting a 1.93 ERA with 19 strikeouts, one walk over 14 innings. And the last Halos pitcher to earn the AL Reliever of the Month was Mike Myers in September of 2020. Had to mention a friend and a foe in relievers. <laughs> Have you ever heard the the saying, like, I went to a baseball game and a hockey match broke out because they were brawling on the field or something like that? You ever heard that? Well, uh, recently went to a baseball game and a football game broke out where the Lions of Detroit and the Vikings of Minnesota or their alter egos, the Tigers and the Twins, met up and uh, had a very football-like score. 17 to 14, the Lions, I mean Tigers, grabbed the uh, the W there. One of the weird things that happened, though, was the Tigers didn't hit any home runs. The Twins hit seven home runs. Yeah, four in one inning, right? Right, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so how how crazy is this that not only did the team that hit four homers in an inning hit seven in the game, gave up no home runs in the game, lost. That never happened before. No. Yeah, it's crazy. I saw a uh, tweet and it said the Vikings and the Lions. And I was like, what? And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is not, this is baseball. This is not football. I get it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. And when they hit those four home runs in the inning, in that one inning, they were still losing. Most of the time where... A team hit at least seven homers in a game, they win. It's rare that they would lose, especially not giving up any home runs. So thank you, Tigers and Twins, for whatever that was. And that'll do it for this week's Sibling Rivalry Baseball Podcast. Remember, you can find us on our website, SiblingRivalryBB.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at SiblingRivalryBB. We're also on Twitter at SiblingRivalryBB without the A. Email us, show at SiblingRivalryBB.com. We'd love to hear what you think, so subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to our podcast. Next week on SRBB, How many roads must the angels travel on to get to Chavez Ravine? Just one.
Yeffrey. I'm going to start. That's what Yuri would call you, Yeffrey. 